Aren't you also tired of when it comes to anxiety to only have three options? To avoid the feeling by distracting yourself, to fight it by getting frustrated with it, or to give in, hoping it's eventually going to go away, or telling yourself all you can do is to cope with it because you're going to be stuck with your anxiety for the rest of your life. Well, what if you could turn it upside down? and see anxiety no longer as your enemy that needs to be dealt with or fought, but as a friend. Welcome to Get Real with me, Dr. Friedman. If you want to live with greater purpose, authenticity, and empowerment, this is your time to upgrade your belief systems, unlock your true potential, and discover the endless possibilities of you becoming the creator of your life. When you're anxious, what do you do? Usually you're left with three options, right? You either fight your anxiety, get frustrated with it and angry, and basically are in a constant battle with yourself because you're not accepting to feel that weak. Or you are running away from the anxiety, trying to distract yourself, calling a friend, turning on YouTube, and just not wanting to feel, period. And the third option is that you just give in because you feel that the emotion is too powerful, too overwhelming. And so all you can do is just have another day where that feeling takes over and keeps you trapped. Now, all of those three options are not really that great, right? Because it makes anxiety really, in some ways, your enemy or your prison wardian that just makes your life smaller and smaller and more and more of a battlefield than feeling happy and, and content like everyone else. Now, one of the things about anxiety is that it makes you feel like there is something wrong with you, right? And that you're the only one who's struggling because you're looking around and everyone seems to be happy. Instagrams are blowing up with just wonderful adventures and joyful faces, and, and you feel like an outsider. Well, the truth is, anxiety is the num number one mental health issue, and it's certainly something that millions and millions of people are struggling with. And the numbers that are real are way higher than the numbers that are documented, because most people don't go to the doctor and ask for a prescription or to a counselor or coach to, to get some help. Most people are slugging along, trying to just somehow make it, reducing the anxiety, managing it. I had anxiety myself. And so it's really my kind of life's work, my purpose to help people to overcome anxiety, but not in the way that anxiety is that what you have to struggle with for the rest of your life but in a way that you're turning the idea of anxiety upside down and seeing the emotion as an opportunity, as something inside of you that just wants your attention. And once you give it the appropriate attention, everything going to turn around. You will actually see anxiety as a catalyst and maybe even as an inner navigator and no longer as this demon that can attack you at any time. Well, 10 years ago, 
my book about my personal breakthrough program on how to overcome anxiety got published by Sounds True. So it's anniversary time, the fear and anxiety solution. And what I love about this book is that it has helped so many people to really shift their minds around anxiety. It has helped people to understand that anxiety is their responsibility and not their burden to carry. And so today I want to share a little bit about some of the things that are in the book, which will hopefully demystify and clarify the most common misconceptions around that emotion. See, as a physician, I always felt like that anxiety must have some kind of a of a reason to be around because it has been evolutionary preserved for hundreds of thousands of years. It's very powerful, so it's not something that can be easily ignored. And it's something that's persistent. You know, once you have anxiety, it definitely is there to stay for a little bit until you figure out how to overcome it. Now, my anxiety was certainly, you know, certain, I think, 25 years in the making. It started when I was very little and the pressures of having to perform well in school and the chaos at home with my parents not getting along with each other and all those things made my life emotionally challenging and me more and more uneasy. So I had sleepless nights before tests. I constantly scanned around for things that can go wrong. I had obsessive compulsive symptoms and I certainly also had panic attacks that you know, just came out of the blue that made me feel overwhelmed by the emotion. Now, I wish someone would have told me how to see anxiety differently at the time when I had it. So it took a long time for me to change my perspective on this emotion. But what I find is that anxiety is, has become somewhat of a friend to me because without the anxiety, I wouldn't talk to you right now. I would have not have found my purpose. I would probably be still in a big cardiology department in uh, in Germany. And maybe my own best patient with two heart attacks and pretty unhappy. So without the anxiety, I would have not waken up to that what I really am supposed to do. So I'm very grateful that the anxiety was knocking at my door and that now from what I have learned about my own anxiety, but also with the thousands of people I worked with through the last 20 years, that I can share with you and hopefully at the end of this podcast, ease your mind around the emotion. See, when you're really convinced about something because you've seen so many, many, so many times how well something can work just when we make a shift, when we make a, you know, a choice to, uh, to perceive something differently and take uh, really empowering action steps, when you see something like this, over and over working and then you still hear unfortunately people talking about how they are stuck in the anxiety and there's nothing they can do and all they can do is just to get every day and fight with their emotion it makes me so motivated and so committed to get the message out over and over again that anxiety is something that you can handle because it's your mind that created it 
And so you can also use your mind and teach your mind how to uncreate it. Now, one of the myths around anxiety is that anxiety is a sign of weakness and that there is something wrong with you and that ultimately uh, it's a burden, as I said, that just is your identity. This is who you are and this is who you will be. I'm an example of that not to be true. And it's certainly not a sign of weakness because, see, when I looked at anxiety, I at some point realized, wow, what if anxiety is just like physical pain and physical pain, like in my cardiology practice, I, you know, when people came with chest pain, you didn't say, well, your pain is weakness. You wondered, hey, the chest pain, this could be a variety of things, but maybe you have a heart attack. Well, anxiety is an emotional, mental pain that really tells you something about a deeper wound, something underneath that needs to be addressed and that cannot just be ignored. Because as you may have noticed, the longer you are fighting the anxiety or trying to run away from it, the more intense and the louder it becomes. So it's not working because it wants your attention. Now, what is that deeper wound? What are those root causes that the anxiety is trying to make you pay attention to? Well, that brings me to another misconception, which is that the anxiety is nonsensical, doesn't make any sense. It's probably just a miswiring in your brain or maybe some chemical imbalances. And why it may be true that there are chemical imbalances that can also you know, be rectified with medication, the wounds underneath the anxiety doesn't go away with medication. It may make you feel more relaxed and more able to really listen to what the anxiety is trying to tell you and look underneath when you take medication. So I'm not against anti-anxiety drugs, but it's not necessarily the solution. And I believe we have to really not just use a painkiller and ignore that the heart is aching or that the foot is breaking but really see why is that pain, why is that anxiety there in the first place. But the fact that it's nonsensical has to do with, you know, the, the place where it comes from. Because anxiety doesn't come from the logical, conscious part of our mind. Yeah, it's true. It shows up at the most inopportune moments. It shows up at times when it shouldn't. It shows up when, you know, we have nothing to worry about. So yeah, it's not something we can also, with uh, rational thinking or logic, talk ourselves out of it. It comes from the other part of the mind, the bigger part of the mind, which is the subconscious. And that subconscious mind is ultimately responsible for emotions, for beliefs, for our value systems, it holds all our memories, even the ones that we're not really consciously thinking about. And it also is responsible for those patterns that we continuously repeat, just like, you know, driving, washing our hair, cutting onions, playing piano, things like that. We are not consciously doing those things. This is just something that the subconscious has been operating uh, or operating for us. And so we can 
even while we do those things, think consciously about something else. Now, it's a very powerful part of the mind, the subconscious, and I have often talked about the subconscious on the podcast, but it's also a part that was there for us and tried to support us way before our conscious mind was capable to even string a thought together. Even in the womb, our subconscious is already at work, trying to figure out if it's safe, what's going on outside the boundaries of the mother's belly, and is really ultimately drawing conclusions from what it takes in. Now, when you think about your subconscious, you have to see it as a part of your mind that, especially at the early stages when you're little and dependent, dependent on others to keep you safe, to feed you, to give you shelter, to attend to, do, to you and not uh, reject you or ostracize you. That is the part that tries to keep you safe. So your subconscious is one big task it is really dedicated to. It is your protection. It's your inner bodyguard. When you grew up, you may have felt that certain things, like in my case, were not totally stable, predictable, and potentially dangerous, like, you know, my parents divorcing or me getting read the riot act for a bad grade in school. All those things didn't feel safe. And so the subconscious said, okay, what do we need to do in order for you to stay safe? And this is where my anxiety ultimately became this radar system. You know, it's like a metal detector that you're walking around on the beach. The anxiety is going around looking for potential danger and then it sees, oh, wow, here is someone not really happy with you. Oh, there is a test tomorrow. So you have to be worried and really on your toes because who knows if you're going to have a good grade or not. So the anxiety is a warning system, just like the anxiety would warn you, you know, in the good old stone ages when there was a, a big beast in front of your cave, or it's warning you when you are you know, let's say staying at a cliff and you're looking down and it tells you, okay, go back because you may slide. So the anxiety is certainly there to protect you. Now, what the anxiety then early on has been doing is drawing conclusions. So it said, okay, in order, that's coming back to my case, in order to be safe, you have to really always study very hard. You have to have straight A's and you have to please everyone. And in order to make sure that the home is uh, held together and peaceful, you have to be the peacemaker. You have to make sure that you are mediating between everyone, trying to be the golden child who just immediately makes everybody laugh. And so all of those things were my anxiety pattern in order to keep my life stable and secure. And those patterns repeat themselves. See, and this is something that you would say are the root causes. The root causes that the anxiety are still, you know, reeling from are those traumatic events where my parents were fighting or where you may have been, you know, really rejected or criticized or in school bullied or made fun of or all of a sudden some of your friends turned their backs on you things that you 
look back onto and say, wow, this was really, yeah, stressful, hard, difficult. So this is one root cause, those significant emotional events that are in our subconscious memory box. And because they are not resolved, they still are used as reference point for the anxiety to warn us when anything similar may happen. So when you go out, for example, and meet new people and you have in your memory box this uh, you know, rejection or uh, embarrassment event still kind of blinking as, okay, this is something to stay away from, well, you find yourself in a social setting in the corner, maybe avoiding to, to get close to anyone or striking up a conversation because you don't want to once again be laughed at or, you know, someone making fun of you. Or when you are someone who really needs to please and peace make, because that's, again, one of those events that in the past has, you know, been blinking as danger, danger, when people are not happy and when they are, you know, having a conflict, you may never say what you think. You may always somehow just, you know, be quiet, pleasant, a little bit of a chameleon, because that idea of standing up for your beliefs, too dangerous, too much of, you know, the, the reminder of what could happen, which again, happened when you were younger. So, Resolving those events, understanding them from a different perspective, learning from them, growing from them. That is addressing one of the root causes of anxiety. It's very important. And the other two root causes that I work with are that, you know, a limiting belief system that we are carrying around. For example, we can only be safe if we avoid danger, or we can only be lovable and safe if we are all giving and never ask for anything, you know, with the belief of not feeling good enough, the world is not a safe place, uh, we can uh, not trust anyone, all of those core beliefs are anchored in the experiences of the subconscious and, and therefore they still are, you know, running your life and you still act accordingly because most people never really updated their values or their belief system. They are basically still operating as if nothing had changed in the last 40, 50 years. And then there is a third root cause, which is the fragmentation of the mind. And that is really a, such an interesting part that you may have realized you are struggling with all the time, that the subconscious has two major purposes or tasks keep us safe and to make us happy. It's like the inner yin and yang, but they're not nicely creating a wholeness. They're actually really fighting each other because one wants to make everything somehow predictable, controllable, and safe. So that's your anxiety side. And the other one says, no, let's get out and explore the world, take a risk, meet new people, take on challenges, and then you are just in a constant tug of war. You go one step forward, and then the anxiety holds you back. You're stuck in your anxiety, and then you get frustrated, and look how everyone is passing you by, and then you want to go out again and do something. But again, the anxiety pulls harder the more you're trying to get out of that comfort zone. So does that make sense when you think about it, that there are 
deeper reasons why you have the anxiety, but you get so distracted by the intensity of the emotion that you don't really look at those deeper reasons. You don't really pay attention to what could be underneath. Once you are resolving those deeper root causes, you can understand also that then the anxiety feels like, huh, maybe it's actually no longer true that this is a little boy or a little girl who needs to be afraid. Maybe what is true is that the world is much safer and that you are much more capable of going through life than the subconscious has thought. And in the fear and anxiety solution and in my personal breakthrough program, those things are addressed and uh, you will be able to resolve all of those. Now, another misconception of anxiety is that anxiety is something that uh, is ultimately more powerful than you. And I think a lot of people have felt that, right? I mean, you know, especially with panic attacks, you just feel like you can do nothing. And the problem with panic attacks is that they are like the last way, the last line of defense for the subconscious to get your attention. When you are having panic attacks, you probably had a lot of anxiety before, like a constant undercurrent of anxiety that you pretty much ignored. And then the, the panic attack just basically says, okay, I have enough. It's like your subconscious having a little tamper tantrum because you're just not paying attention. You're not listening. A lot of people that have panic attacks have panic attacks when they pushed themselves too far. You know, they, they have ignored their emotions. Maybe they have done some self-medication or medicating or, again, nicely distracting themselves, getting out of their comfort zone, making the opposite of what the anxiety wanted them to do. And all of a sudden, the panic attacks hold them in their tracks literally brings them to their knees. This can be when you have been really, really working hard, getting to higher and higher levels in your career, and all of a sudden you get a panic attack because you're almost at the top and your anxiety makes you look down and say, oh my God, what if this is all, you know, going away? What if you are found out as a fraud? Or you are trying to be good because that's what you were told to do, and all of a sudden you you know, or in your late uh, teens or in your 20s and you try out drinking drugs or doing things that you know deep inside a part of you is afraid of because it's making you out of control or it makes you different than you really are supposed to be in order to be acceptable. Again, you do this a few times, the panic attacks say, no, no, stop with this. We cannot do this anymore. You are out of control. So the intensity has a lot to do with how much awareness you have on what the anxiety is trying to tell you and also how much the anxiety trusts you. And this is a, the final point that I want to make today, that the antidote of anxiety is not the absence of anxiety. The antidote of anxiety is the trust that your subconscious has in you, the conscious person, to no longer need the subconscious to take care of you. Or let me say it in a different way. If your inner protector is operating with the 
manual, the owner's manual from when you were like five, 10 years old. It is, of course, doing things that don't really fit into your adult life anymore. But unless you, the adult, are proving to your subconscious that you are trustworthy, that you are someone who can make good decisions, who is able to deal with criticism or judgment, who is not just going recklessly through life, who is able to be kind and generous to yourself and not just give your power and attention to everybody else, all those things that may in the past may have felt unsafe for your subconscious. If your subconscious can be convinced that you are the leader of your life, your anxiety will decrease dramatically. And for this to happen, you need to really consciously address your subconscious, not with fear, not with anger, not with ignorance, but with curiosity and compassion. So there are three phases that help you to overcome and ultimately outgrow your anxiety. The first phase is for you to stop being afraid of your emotions and really understand more. No, there is a message. There is some pain inside of me. There is something that needs me and I will pay attention to that. And often it really helps to listen to the anxiety, to listen to the, to the thoughts that are popping up and understand, wow, these are the same thoughts that I had a long time ago. These are thoughts that make me remember events that were hurtful and scary. These are thoughts that are pointing towards limiting beliefs of me not being good or me not being safe. And really addressing those thoughts as if you are talking to a child inside of you that is scared that needs someone to hold on to, that needs someone to wrap your arms around and say, hey, I'm here. I get you. I understand why you're scared because you must have felt alone in your quest to keep us safe, but you're no longer alone. That's phase number one, because then your anxiety becomes much more a mission of care and, and love and compassion than that inner struggle that you may have really felt was what anxiety was about for a long time. So you turn away from chasing the anxiety or fighting it towards embracing it and healing it. And that in itself already reduces the intensity because you do pay attention. The second phase is to address those deeper root causes. And I said, you know, you can do this with a book, you can do this with uh, work with me individually. I have also a video program. So really going, uh, learning to work with a subconscious mind to heal those events that have been charged with anxiety and, and traumatic emotions, maybe hurt or sadness or guilt or shame, to stop fighting yourself and from fragmentation, create wholeness inside, and then also to change your limiting beliefs, replace them in much more empowering ways of seeing yourself in the world. That's number two. And the third phase is to really own 
that you are ultimately in charge of your mind, just as you're in charge of your body, of your friends, family, finances, you are in charge. And for that, you are building more and more trust, trust in yourself, trust that you can make good decisions, handle it. And so you want to really learn to feed back to your, whether you're on the right track, give yourself a lot of positive affirmation, appreciate the contributions you make, challenge yourself, but not in a way that pushes you too much so that you're again putting yourself into a sense of, oh, I'm unsafe, but enough to continuously grow and build your confidence. And when you do all those three steps, the moment the anxiety comes up, you know, oh, wow, it just tells me like a GPS. Oh, I'm making here a step in the wrong direction. Maybe I have been thinking too much outside of myself and not paying enough attention to myself. Maybe I have lost my ways and I'm not really on the good track. Maybe I'm just too exhausted and I've gone to my reserve energies because I really felt the goals were more important than my well-being and happiness. See, anxiety can really tell you, just like pain, something is out of balance. And when you have the anxiety, you're not saying like, oh, wow, here it is again, nothing really works. You're saying, thank you, anxiety, because now I know I need to make an adjustment. And that is where the anxiety becomes your friend, a trusted friend, just like, you know, you had a, a dog that really loves you, but also maybe growls when you're in danger or when some intruder would want to enter. Your anxiety growls a little bit when things are not quite the way they are supposed to be. And that is where the anxiety is not going away when you outgrow it, but it is coming to you in appropriate times and you're learning to respond to it accordingly. It is creating a harmonious relationship with your conscious and subconscious mind, with your head and your heart. And for me, the anxiety has shown me personally, but also many, many of my clients who they really are. It was like before we were paying attention to our anxiety, we were operating almost like, you know, unconsciously in ways that were imprints from others, expectations from our peers or, or parents or family. And we didn't really know who are we? What's, what's our essence? What's the truth? What is our purpose? And through the anxiety, there was an ability all of a sudden to feel closer to yourself, to understand yourself better and to ultimately also live with greater peace and harmony. And for me personally, and many others to make a contribution in life that we really here to make. So don't be afraid of your anxiety, embrace it. Realize that the power of the emotion also tells you that there is something very powerful and caring inside of you that just wants you to find yourself to heal your past and to evolve into who you were meant to be.